Beautiful. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock and Roll Podcast. I am your host, John Harris. Today on the Rock and Roll Podcast, we have Frank Palangi, who's got a new EP called Bring On The Fear, which is released this summer. Right now, I'm being joined by what I'm told is Frank himself. He's going to share some more information about the EP, what he's been up to this year, what his big, huge, massive honking plans are for the rest of the year, maybe into next year as we're starting to actually close this year out. So, Frank, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, guys? Beautiful. Great to have you on. Now, I guess my first question really is getting into uh, a summer release for this record. And given what this year has been, take us through that. How has this year perhaps changed your plans uh, as far as this release was concerned? And how did you end up doing some things differently to promote the record? It actually fell into the COVID thing pretty nice, to be honest. I don't, I don't know why. I mean, even the whole concept of the record, you bring on the fear, gone mad. Um, it, it's, I wrote it before all this happened, but somehow it just turned into a, uh, you know, an isolated mistake, I guess. But yeah, it's it's different because um, you can't go out there and you can't be selling CDs. You got no gigs. You can't sell CDs. So everything's online. So I literally. Um, I mean, you, I'm used to online, you know, I, I do a lot of things online, but I literally moved everything online and have just promoted everything online, 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 online. Okay. I mean, does that make sense? <laughs> it, it, it does. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is that uh, I'm sure a lot of people feel that just about everything's moved online already, but I don't think we realized how much we still didn't do things online, like connecting with fans at shows, connecting with fans, uh, like you mentioned, with like a physical CD or vinyl or, or what have you. Um, yeah, even so the locations, you know, locations where CDs are at. I had to pull all my CDs from it. The, they were in FYE, uh, in our New York State area, and they, they got pulled from some of them because they went out of business, some of them, again. <laughs> well, what was that like having to pull those CDs? Like, was it just surreal? I don't know. They didn't let me know. <laughs> they, just, no. they just closed the store and I have no idea where those CDs are. <laughs> wow. It was oh. weird though, driving by and I go, oh my God, the sign's gone. Everything's gone. It's gone. <laughs> gone. Gone mad, I tell you. I know. Boom. Now you mentioned that you wrote the record before this whole thing started and it just kind of fell in line with it. So... I guess my next question is, what is that like to have written this this record and to look at it and go, that kind of just fits? It's my second EP I've self-produced, self-mixed. Uh, the mastering was done by Robert Venable. He's from Tennessee. He's like a Grammy-nominated guru guy. Worked with a lot of rock bands. Um, but I decided um, to, to keep going at, after the last EP to produce this one as well, just because... I wanted to learn more. You know, I want to get into the mixing stuff a lot more. So I definitely, it was a year and a half, I think it took. And it was only because of my learning curve with uh, mixing and recording. Like I read the, I read the guitars probably like three, four times, the vocals three, four times. It, it's kind of my uh, my pattern though. So I do like a, a full band, well, I say one man band, you know, demo of the song of where the structure and where the ideas are. Then I'll go and uh, I'll outsource the drums to you know somebody I work with or somebody I've always wanted to work with, and to get the drums back. And then I fill in everything else here in my home studio and you know have guests on every once in a while. 
And um, so that part really was no different. But you know, the mixing world is is, is tough, and it's. It's hard to say, like, is it as good as, uh, you know, the, uh, the Scott Stapp CD that just came out? Yeah, that sort of thing. It's like, man, you know, the pressure is on. <laughs> I know. The fact Bring that you it. just dropped Scott Stapp is fantastic. Yeah, I actually, I used that in the new Godsmack CD as the basis for for the mix for this CD. And uh, if you listen to it, it's it's a little, I mean, I love post-grunge. I love the 90s. I love early 2000s. It definitely has that sound. I don't think it has, like, um, that polished, polished, uh, I don't know what you want to call it nowadays, digital kind of sound, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everything's just tight. Everything's like 100% to the click. And that's the, I wanted it to be real, you know, because they are real drums. They're real people playing, you know, stuff. <laughs> so um, that's kind of my style, my look. Yeah, it. yeah. Well, I mean, picking a reference mix is obviously super important without losing your marbles over it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Why doesn't mine sound like theirs? Well, because they're them and you're you. Um, yeah. I don't mean- well, obviously big studios too. I mean, I don't have access to all the, the great stuff that they use, you know? Yeah. Well, you brought up a really interesting uh, concept, which is outsourcing the drums to a real human being. And especially in, in today's day and age where I could just buy Superior Drummer 3 and outsource it to MIDI. I guess my question is, aside from the realistic... Uh, real drums are, are, can never be replaced, obviously, by by a MIDI performance. But I guess what was the decision to do that? Uh, I've done it for years. There's a big difference. It feels so real. You know, you got somebody and you have real sounds. I mean, I, I put other snares and other kicks and stuff on top of that that are from those type, you know, programs uh, or samples out there. And um, it's you get something that you don't get with the digital you know, and it's honestly to spend the time to program all that crap. I mean, that's a lot, you know, to get it a hundred percent right. And then it's, it's too perfect. I've done, uh, let's see, Halloween and skate from New York. I redid the movie themes and I used some digital drums for that. And, uh, I mean, for that stuff, it's great. Cause it's supposed to kind of sound like that way, but I'm like in a song, it's, it's too perfect, you know, and to get that, the roles are, it's, you know, just get a real drummer if you want some good roles in there. <laughs> yeah. Is that like a service or are these people that you've just known over the years that happen to have access to record? Uh, yeah, I use uh, Kelly Clarkson's drummer, Lester. He used to be in a band, Pillar. And uh, really, he's a rock and roll metal drummer. And uh, I've used him since 2012. I just worked with Robin Diaz. He was, um, he was in Candlebox. He's in Daughtry or was in Daughtry. And uh, just various drummers and stuff I either know or have come across or some of them have found me and said, uh, you know, uh, let's work on a track. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, Pillar is some uh, some really good stuff. And I Dodge, I remember from back in the day. I don't remember if they're still active or not, but. Oh, yeah, they still are. They, they actually had the number one rock song um, in 10 years or something like that. Uh, four weeks ago, four or five weeks ago. Wow. Very cool. Now, uh, something you mentioned was you wanted to learn more about mixing, and so it took a year and a half to to do the mixing and the recording. I guess take us through that. At, at what point did you have to separate yourself from, I'm the guy learning how to do the mixing on this, but I'm also the guy writing the song and recording the song. That sounds like uh, quite the juxtaposition to take on. Yeah. Uh, in the recording phase, I would say it's totally me. It's totally artist. I mean, obviously, of you know, you got to set up the mics and 
set up everything right as far as recording. But the recording phase, I, I record it kind of how I want to mix it in certain ways. So it's, it's um, you know, the ideas of the panning and stuff like that. How do you want your guitars? But the actual essence of getting down there and, you know, what do you do to this thing? That comes after. I think that's where the the mixing side of the engineer kicks in. And because uh, I actually, I love recording more, I think now than mixing a lot of times because um, you're not worried about that as much. You figure you record... I don't know, it takes me maybe four hours to record bass or guitars and stuff like that and a little extra, maybe five of the extra stuff. And it takes, you know, <laughs> three months to mix a, a dang. Because <laughs> you're always going back and forth and you burn it to a CD. And, you know, the car is definitely like, when you think it's done, even through your studio speakers, you know, you got headphones, you listen to it on like eight different things. But the car is like the ultimate test because all of a sudden you listen to it and you go, uh, some wacky going on. The bass is not as thick as what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go back. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or the kick drum sounds like it's farting out of the car speakers. And you're like, when, when did that happen? Yeah. The problem with the kick drums is, is the high end. It's like, I, I, you could hear it through your studio speakers. You could hear it through like, and all of a sudden you throw it in. Maybe you listen to it on the phone or in the car again. And you're like, that click that, you know, the rock metal click thing from the kick drum is just not loud enough still. I mean, it's yeah. loud enough, but damn, I got to go back, turn it up. So there's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of stuff to, to do. That's just a little bit of it. Yeah. And you mentioned that it was mastered by uh, a Grammy nominated guru guy is what, what my note here is. And yeah, Robert Venable. When it came to choosing Robert, I guess, take us through that, that, that process. Did you not want to master it yourself? Did you want to... What did you want to get out of having Robert do the mastering for you? Uh, I don't know how to master. I can do like, I call it a mock-up. It's just like a couple plugins I throw on there. But the true mastering, I, I can't do because you have to be in a certain room engineered for it that's kind of neutral. So I leave that up to the pros that know what they're doing there. Um, and it's kind of like a second flavor on top of your mix to give it that extra polish. So, um, and I've kind of the same thing. I kind of inherited Robert, uh, with, with Lester back in 2012 when we did, I am ready. And since then I've used him on everything except for the song I did with, um, Brian from Daughtry. We used, uh, Brad Blackwood on that. He's, he's done like three days grace and everybody. Okay. Now something you mentioned, uh, is that this is the second EP, uh, that you decided to do, was it just self-produced or second EP in total? Self-produced. I have four EPs, a couple singles out there and a couple of side stuff. Okay. Now, is this kind of the route that you think you're going to be taking going forward? Cause you did the first two EPs, not self-produced, then two EPs self-produced. So you've got what? 50, 50 on yeah. both. Yeah. Um, is this I changed actually, how you work? Yeah, yeah, it, it has. I mean, um, some of it's budget. You know, some of it, it's expensive to work with producers and things. And um, I mean, I've learned a lot from them, but I feel like uh, a lot of it I can handle here. Um, I'm not a guy. I would love to work with more people. It just depends on, uh, you know, the COVID thing, all the, especially for a musician, all your budget stuff went to zero. So, <laughs> so it's uh, not exactly a great source. 
of income right now. But I, you know, I've had to move. I teach guitar lessons. I do voiceovers. I do some movie stuff on the side. I do the recording for other people. I've gotten into mixing some some basic stuff for, you know, acoustic and vocal demos and, and other things for people. So I'm just, you literally have to branch out into everything to make any any money. And um, recently I'm, I'm doing uh, kind of what you're doing here is interviews for New York State uh, Music in Motion. It's called, it's a magazine in New York State and uh, been interviewing artists like that on video kind of podcast stuff. And I started that on my Instagram too beforehand. So it was kind of like a whim thing. So it's, I'm into a lot of, a lot of stuff. So it's answer your question. Like two questions before I've been definitely keeping busy just with all that digital kind of stuff, but still interaction with people. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Now getting into the record itself, because you mentioned that this was written obviously before the pandemic. So let's chat about gone mad and bring on the fear. I think as soon as I see the the title "Bring on the Fear," immediately I'm like, "Why? Why do I want to bring on the fear?" <laughs> to overcome it, it's something to. It's another fancy word for me saying I am ready. You know, it's that's kind of been my motto since that song came out. But it's it's something that uh you know you want to you want to tackle, like you want to kind of get over that fear, um, and you don't want to be afraid anymore. You know, and a lot of it too is uh, like I say in the song, turn the hate that's out there into faith. It's we have to change somehow. Something has to change in us or as a culture and that sort of thing. So the music video is in production and it. It touches on that a little bit, you know, it touches on um, like there's a scene that I'm having fans send me footage and they start with the COVID mask on, they take the mask off and then they, they sing the part where I go, okay, everybody, you know, hands in the air, you know, I want you to sing. So they're mouthing the words in that part. And um, it's kind of a thing of, uh, we're all going to get over this someday, you know, whether it's now or a month from now or a year from now. But, um, you know, trying not to be as f- afraid of it anymore, I'm guessing, you know, try to live yeah. your lives. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, since this generally happened before, or the idea for this record happened before uh, that stuff, I guess the I am ready, was there something in particular in your life that you were like, man, I really need to be less fearful, uh, become fearless, and this record was a way to transcend that? Not really. I think I geared the song Bring On The Fear um, as an outsource, more of, you know, culture kind of stuff that we have to get over certain things. It wasn't really kind of like my song Hope is not really about me. It's, you know, it's about it's it's the subject of it. It's, um, you know, it's more than me. But, um, you know, the other songs are definitely it's a stab at the industry a little bit. You know, Gone Mad is um, we've all done those battle of bands out there contests where they're rigged. No matter what you do, they're rigged. You know, the judge's uh, niece's band or something, you know, wins it just because she knows, you know, that's her uncle. And, uh, (laughs) or, or the band that comes in, they got a freaking bus and you've sold the most tickets. And somehow just because they're from out of the area or something, you know, they, they win it. It's always, it has nothing to do with um, music. Actually, these contests, it has to do with just how many tickets you sell, or in this case, you know, who you know. That's that's my experience. So I'm like, I got to write a song about that. Even even some of the, I'm not, 
I knock some of the reality shows. I mean, it's great for exposure for all these new artists and, and people out there, but it's kind of the same way of, you know, you're watching some sort of thing. It's not a hundred percent real, those shows. And they really take advantage of artists. Um, I've heard, I've had some interviews and stuff with, with people and that's kind of, it's kind of what it is. You know, those, those fake shows out there. <laughs> who, who knew reality TV wasn't so real? Yeah, everyone thinks it is. It's it's the deals. The, I've auditioned for a lot of these. Just the audition contracts are are ridiculous. You know, I couldn't imagine actually getting on the show and and signing whatever. Yeah. Now, something you mentioned is doing some interviews yourself. Now, I'm curious during this time. Or maybe you don't even just general, just just in general. How does that shape you as an artist when you're chatting with the other artists? It's more relatable to me. I don't I don't think I could be a host and not an artist. I don't think I would really like if I interviewed uh I don't know, theater or dance people or something that's uh I, I wouldn't do as good of a job. Something with music and even in film, I just I relate to more and I think it helps with the the host thing. And um I don't know. It has some of that comes from the the front man thing because you're inter, you know you're interacting with fans. You're uh, you're trying to keep the audience engaged. So I think some of that kind of seeps over, you know, a little bit. Yeah. Well, and something else that I think is tremendous about uh, you know your work is that you're able to do everything because I mean, look at how many I don't know instrumental. Uh, musicians exist because either they're just not comfortable singing or they really don't have a voice that we want to hear, yeah, you know, yeah. but you're able to, to do it all. But has there ever been a point where you listen to, I don't know, something and say, man, I wish I could do that a little bit better. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't really play a string instrument, like a violin or something, you know, that would, that would be cool. Um, and piano, I, I wish I could play better. I'm sure I could learn it better, but I don't think I'd ever get where I could do like a classical piece or something. It would probably be just rooted more in, in film, you know, soundtrack stuff. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right. Well, Frank, is there anything that I did not ask that you were hoping I was going to ask that we could chat about? Uh, well, all my music's on uh, iTunes, Amazon. Uh, if you guys are on all the social media sites, I handle all of it. So if you shoot me a message, follow me or whatever, it's definitely me. Um, I've handled everything for the past 12 years or so. And um, yeah, the journey's been fun. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, check out Bring Out the Fear, the EP. We got a new single coming 2021 uh, that's self-produced as well. Now from there... Uh, I don't know <laughs> for future stuff, but I have that one song and the music video. So we'll see. We'll see where things go. All right. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today, Frank. No problem. Hope to do it again in the future. <laughs>